The other thing I want to let you know is that this morning is going to look a little different than a typical Sunday at Capital City Church. So today, Pastor Rick is actually going to speak to us through video. So we're going to watch um, a video of him, and then Pastor Dan is going to come up and finish out the sermon, um, the last 10 minutes or so of it, and then some time of prayer. So let's listen to Pastor Rick. Good morning, Capital City Church. This is Pastor Rick, and I've been talking with you over the last few months about how important it is to be positive and optimistic. However, this last week was not a great week for me to be positive because on Friday morning, I tested positive for COVID-19. This last week, I've had some mild symptoms. I've been previously vaccinated, but somehow contracted COVID-19 and uh, having to quarantine, not able to be with you this week. Now, there's no place in this world I'd rather be than with you. Um, I'm going to be worshiping with you online on Sunday morning. But I'm excited to bring this short video message uh, today to kick off our Thanksgiving series. You'll be happy to know that Joy is fine. She did not test positive. She tested negative. Uh, She probably is a whole lot stronger than I am, and that probably goes without saying. But we're going to be spending some more quality time together here in our home. And as we're doing that, I've been reflecting. I've been thinking about you guys, and I'm thankful for you. You are an amazing church. This last week, you were so gracious in thanking Joy and I for five years of service at Capital City Church. It's Joy and I who should be thanking you. And I get uncomfortable, many of you know, when the attention is put on me for something as special as even a five-year anniversary. And it's because my job, my purpose, my calling is to serve you. And any time that relationship is switched and the attention is put on me and not put on you, I become very uncomfortable because I want to make sure that I am serving you And um, anyway, it was a great time. And it was a time that I am grateful for. It was extremely meaningful. The video comments and the gifts and and the comments that you guys made, uh, it humbled us. We're thankful for you, thankful to be your pastor and your friend. This last five years has been crazy. It's been great in so many ways, challenging in other ways. It mimics our own individual lives, but we have been living this life together in community. Five years ago, as I was candidating for the job, I hate to even say it that way. It's what churches call it. Uh, When I was talking to you guys about who God had sort of made me to be, when you were telling me who the church was in the past and who the church wanted to be in the future, we were looking to see if there was going to be any kind of a a, a merger there or a connection. Um, I gave you a talk about my philosophy of church. And this talk may be familiar to some of you, but I know most of you have come to Capital City Church in the last five years, and you may not have heard it, but it's one of the reasons that I'm thankful for you. When I was growing up, my grandmother, my dad's mom and dad were the constants in our life. They had a home that was the same house in the same location on the same street right outside of Atlanta my entire life growing up. It looked the same for most of my childhood. And we moved quite a bit in my family. My dad was an educator, and we moved from uh, city to city and state to state. Not uh, too many times, but several times relocating for ministry opportunities as God would call us from, from one to the next. But one thing that stayed the same was my grandma's house. The traditions that we have there are traditions that I still look back on with a fondness in my heart. And even now makes me smile thinking about the memories that we shared and created there. 
when you pulled into my grandmother's neighborhood, you drove down her street, you looked up their long driveway. It was an old Georgia home with red brick covered with ivy all across the front. Now, ivy, this green ivy is beautiful to look at, but horrible to maintain. But it was covered with ivy. We walked up the outside stairs to her front door. And as you walked in the front door, right to the left was a formal living room with light uh, cream colored furniture and carpet and light blue and very, very elegant. Looked like it should have been covered in plastic, although it wasn't. If you walked off to your right, you'd go down to a family room that was just exactly like it sounds. Grandpa's recliner was there, Grandma's couch. You were able to see their TV and TV cabinet. You look out the back picture windows. There was a swing set that had been there since the very first day that I had memories. I loved it. As much as the world changed, as much as my life changed, as I was growing up and looking at what's next and just facing the challenges that any kid faces... I always looked forward to going back to grandma's house. Now, one day I remember in junior high being excited to go visit my grandmother. Perhaps it was a Thanksgiving, just like we're going to be celebrating here in a few weeks. And as I pulled onto her street, actually riding in the car with my dad as he's driving, we looked up and there was no more ivy on the front. Well, I was scandalized. It wasn't my grandmother's house anymore. The ivy was gone. We walked inside, looked to the left of the, the living room that was used to be light cream and light blue was no longer light cream and light blue. It had been updated, remodeled. When I walked to the right into that family room, looking out across the picture windows into the backyard, the old swing set that had become rusted and dilapidated over time, well, Grandpa had moved it, thrown it away, replaced it with some landscaping. They were enjoying their house as they should in their retirement years. But for me, well, I was mad. I wanted it to look the same. I wanted it to be the same. I wanted it to stay the same because the same was safe. The same was nostalgic. The same reminded me of the stories that I shared with the same people, the memories that I had made with the same family. And shortly thereafter, as I began to look into ministry and look into churches, I realized that many people treat the church the same way that we treat grandma's house. Let's sing the same songs year after year. Let's make sure we don't do any updates or changes on our church building. Let's keep the programming the same because it reminds us of a simpler time. It connects us to the past, the same group of people, the same stories. The problem is the church is not grandma's house. The church is much more dynamic than that. That nostalgia and tradition and an absence of change can be great when it comes to family, but not when it comes to ministry. We live in an ever-changing world, and we have to have consistent, changing, innovative, well, methods. The building is a tool. One of the things I'm so appreciative to you about is that you have created a phenomenal tool for ministry. Not only was the church so forward-thinking and innovative as to create a beautiful children's area that's down at the end of this building, but they also allowed for the possibility of expansion and remodel so that the church could continue to grow and the building could continue to be a tool well into the future. And even over the last five years, we've remodeled things like the cafe. For some of you, you remember there used to be a room that was called the chapel in the cafe that the lobby was painted sort of in tomato soup colors, looked like a Campbell's advertisement, which was stylish at one point, but had lived its life cycle or lifespan and needed to be updated. 
So we made our way into the lobby, trying to make it a little bit more relevant, a little more contemporary, a little more comfortable to invite our friends, something that represents the contemporary relevance of the gospel. Even recently, changing the carpet inside the worship room. Some churches in some places would have split over the color of the carpet. But you guys are so gracious in understanding and recognizing that when we do things like this as a church family, that we're doing them for purpose or on purpose to meet the ministry needs and strategies of the church. Right now, we have ongoing improvements to the outside of the building, trying to make the rest of our building look like this great children's room or area that had been, had been designed so many years ago. The roof Fortunately, provided by the insurance company is just the beginning as we go through and remove some of the white accents, replacing them with brown, trying to update, trying to modernize. It's just a reflection of a heart that makes me thankful for you guys. Thankful that you don't hold on to the things that don't really matter, even though we appreciate them. And that you're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that this never-changing gospel is always communicated in a relevant way to our ever-changing world. I was also thinking about five years ago as we talked about ministry and strategy, we discussed the fact that that Capital City Church had been really, really good in reaching the needs of the world, but hadn't been quite so good in reaching the needs of the community. One of the reasons that I was hired that the pastor search committee chose to to move forward with me as a candidate is because one of my passions in ministry is to, to make the local church relevant. Now, I've defined a relevant church in this way. A relevant church is a church that if we were to close our doors on a Sunday morning, the world around us would notice, the community around us would notice, not just those of us who show up here to worship. By your own estimation, the church had sort of failed in that way, even though very successful in other ways. And the community around us didn't really know who we were, didn't really understand why we were here. And we set out to change that. I remember in March of 2017, I've been your pastor just for a few months. I shared a story with you that ended up becoming the foundation of what we now see as City Surf. And the story was very simple. I had been down to Saydale School District talking with the superintendent, talking with their social workers. And had just been asking them the question, how are you guys doing? Is there any way we as a church could help? You're our neighbor, for goodness sake. Are there any needs that you guys have? And I was told these stories that I shared with you in a worship service about kids who didn't have even the, even the most basic necessities to attend worship or to attend school, excuse me. And as I told you this story, the church, you guys, you absolutely would have no more of it. You said, what is it we have to do to meet these needs? You let us know we're going to be there. And four and a half years later, what we see is a ministry called City Serve that has emerged, where now we have 13 partnerships where we partner with those and serve those who serve around 1,500 law enforcement officers, around 1,200 educators, administrators, and, and staff. Camp Dodge, Air and Army National Guard expanding every single day where the gospel is being shown as relevant and needs are being met in every corner of the Des Moines Metro. I'm thankful for you as a church because you were innovative and progressive. You accepted the challenge. You were willing to change, to respect the traditions of the past, but to move boldly forward into the future and say we will be a relevant church no matter what because the gospel demands it. So here we are five years later. We see a building that's emerging, that's changing. It's becoming beautiful. It's becoming an even better tool. We see ministries that are continuing to evolve, continuing to become more strategic and more specific. And today, as I'm thankful for you, I trust you're thankful for your church. And most of all, I'm thankful for the gospel. What we want to be 
is a group of people that makes Jesus known. Whereas we love and serve our world, the world around us, loving and serving our world to a saving relationship with him, we earn the right to share our faith. And that's what we do together. So today, as we talk about the reasons that we're thankful, as we discuss Thanksgiving, I want you to remember that I'm thankful for you. I want us to remember that we're thankful for these opportunities to share the gospel. And as we continue these next five years together, 10, perhaps even 15, I can't wait to look back together on all of the other reasons that God has allowed us to celebrate, allowed us to have the best Thanksgivings ever. So we'll begin our series today on Thanksgiving by looking at Psalm 103. Now, if you have your notes, you'll probably want to take a look at those. If not, the scripture will be on the screen here in the worship room. But Pastor Dan, in just a minute, is going to take you through seven things that are both found in your notes, found in the book of Psalms, but also, I trust, by the end of our time together, will be found hiding in your heart. Psalm 103. Now, the notes are found on the app. I'm sure you've downloaded the app from either the App Store for Apple or the Android App Store, uh, and it's on your phone, and that you're looking at those now. Psalm 103, a psalm of thanksgiving from David. Now, King David wasn't always king. He was a person who grew up kind of the forgotten son of a number of sons, always given the short end of the stick with some of the worst jobs. He was trusted with things like watching the sheep and learned to trust the Lord and be thankful in times that might look minor in the large scope of things, but ended up becoming major. For example, he learned how to trust God by protecting his sheep allowing him to kill bears and lions who might have tried to attack the sheep, eventually leading him to things like being able to protect the Israelites from a giant like Goliath, a person who had such highs in life that he wrote psalms of thanksgiving with triumphant feelings and emotion, a person who knew such tragedy and heartache that he wrote psalms of thanksgiving to God out of brokenness and humility. And then just like our lives, we find him writing oftentimes from an emotional state or a state of mind somewhere in between. That's where I believe we find him writing Psalm 103, the psalm that we're going to look at today. So look with me, please, at Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2, where King David says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Now, the word that King, King David, chose to use was Barak. Barak, the word for praise, literally means to bow your knee to your sovereign. So the idea here is that David is telling his soul, I'm going to command you, we, right, my soul, I'm going to praise the Lord in good times, in bad times, and every time in between that God is worthy of praise. Now, the argument that it seems like that he is making, the imaginary discussion that he's having that's one-sided coming from his pen, but, but really rebutted or at least referred to in our minds as we respond back to this powerful scripture is what if it doesn't seem like God's paying attention? What if it doesn't seem like God's in control? What if it doesn't seem like God is concerned about me? What if it doesn't seem like he loves me? And King David right here in the first two verses is saying, soul, remember, remember God's benefits. Now the word benefits here is really important. The word benefits doesn't mean benefits like advantages to us for us to be able to spend on ourselves. Benefits means character qualities. It means things that make God unique, things that make God special. 
So Pastor Dan is going to come and talk to us about seven things found elsewhere in the book of Psalms that are the kinds of things that King David is referring to when he says, praise the Lord, soul, we are going to bow our knee to our sovereign because God is worthy of praise. Pastor Dan, take us through these seven things, and then you, church family, are going to have a chance at the end of our time this morning to pray your own prayer of thanksgiving that will set up a season, I trust and pray, that will be like no other. Dan? As you saw, it's a little unique Sunday for us. We've never done a tag team like this, but when Pastor Rick calls me on Friday and says, hey, guess what? I'm thinking it's going to be something exciting, but he says he has COVID. Um, Weird. I like about three weeks to prepare, but hey, two days is no big deal. And then, of course, you're wondering, okay, we've been around them. Jared, Brandon, we all got COVID tests. I just want you to know, because I feel like when you hear that, you're like, well, which of the staff has COVID? And when you take these tests, like they have these lines, and I do want you to know that we're all negative for COVID, but we are pregnant. I don't know the lines. I don't know how that works, but we're wrestling with that. But um, yeah, just Rick, Joy's good right now too. And so what we're going to do is walk through um, seven Psalms that David wrote. And you guys have been here and done that in life and you can reflect and there's just always a little bit clear lens when you look back over some situations, life and circumstances. And I don't care how old you are. My hope is, as we walk through some of the specific things that David is pinning, not just a story, but some of the things he's reflecting on specifically, some of the things he's reflecting on generally as he's older in life, I'm hoping that triggers some things for you. It's a day of Thanksgiving. We're kicking off our Thanksgiving service, even though Pastor Rick doesn't have the fun part of being here with us. I know he's just really dying to be here. He loves being a part of, of Cap City Church and speaking to you guys. But I'm hoping here today that as we just walk over some words, you'll see the verses, there'll be some words that are highlighted and maybe some things that just trigger God's reality, his provision, circumstances, maybe relationship, maybe a decision you had to make, maybe a competition you were in. So let's walk through seven Psalms real quickly that David wrote, and let's just um, have some time to reflect, and then we're going to have a time of thanksgiving and prayer. Psalms 145, we're going to start and end with this chapter, but in verse 3 it says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, his greatness no one can fathom. Have you ever looked back on a circumstance or situation, and, and now that you're beyond it, look back and say, God was at work the whole time? Maybe in it, I wasn't sure. I was wrestling with some stuff, but as I look back over it, I now know that he was indeed at work. And David is doing just that. And when I read this, my memory went back, way, way back as a young man at my grandparents' house. And you guys know a little bit of our story. My dad's a pastor, both uncles are pastor, which makes all my cousins pastor kids, which is not always good. And so we spend a lot of time together, together on holidays, together on vacations, and when I was young, my grandfather, who was a manly dude, he um, lettered in four sports at Southern Miss, which is where Brett Favre, Green Bay Packer guys, you know, it's where he was from. He was a golden glove boxer. He wore a size 13 ring. He was just a manly man. And when I was young, like a lot of our grandparents, um, my, my granddad, we call him Papa Shouts, he didn't say a whole lot. He just real quiet, big, tough dude. He just felt like he could eat you at any moment if you weren't careful. And then as we got older, I'm talking, I'm a teenager, right? 15, 16, 17. I remember Papa Shouse and his change in his life because when I, when I read that greatness no one can fathom, something happened where usually we were on, it was a vacation time. It was a Christmas holiday. We were in the summer and all of us were there, right? His, my grandfather's son and, and, and two boys, right? My uncles, um, this, the 
daughter-in-laws were there. Obviously, all of our cousins were there. And my Papa Charles would, after a meal, usually in the evening, he, he would want our attention. And, and this is what, what I just remember as a young teenager thinking, like he's not trying to preach at it. He's trying to do what David is doing. And he's going back and reminiscing, telling us these stories of crazy stories, how God was so faithful in such a way he didn't want the kids and grandkids to hear it. He wanted us to get it. And I just remember as a teenager thinking, man, this is like so real for Papa Charles. And again, towards the end of his life, he was so adamant, just like David, that his greatness, boys, you can't fathom. So maybe there's some stories and thoughts in your head as you think about God's goodness and his greatness in your life. The next verse we're going to walk through is Psalms 97 to 1. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. And simply, I don't know about you, but sometimes I like playing God, anticipating what God is going to do. And let me just let you off the hook. You don't have to. Because David is saying, listen, been there and done that. God, God has it. God reigns. He is the creator and he's the sustainer. Take full trust in that. Maybe there's some times that you've wrestled with and you've realized, you know, I'm going to continue to let God be God. He is both the massive, incredible, distinct creator, but he's also a sustainer of everything, including our lives. And the next verse in Psalms is this. Psalms 107 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Now, if you grew up, because I only had boys in our house, we had some rules, but we gave a lot of freedom. But the, the line was, was crossing the line was called a stupid line in our house. And when you cross a stupid line, there were consequences, right? So you had freedom. The power was yours. We would tell our boys and teach our boys. But some of us have crossed that stupid line many times in our life. And David is recounting some things. If you remember his story that he crossed the line on. And he's just reminded of this. God's love does not have an expiration date. It doesn't. And the deeds, the things that God does in our lives, there's not a max limit. You don't get to 10 and he says, that's enough. 15 and that's it. Scripture reminds us that the good things of God lead us to repentance. There's been many times in my life that I crossed a stupid line and God is blessed. And I just step back and think, I, I don't understand or comprehend that. And David is pinning that same thing. Maybe you're recounting something in your life that God has been unfailing in his love and deeds that sometimes we don't deserve. And the next one in Psalms is Psalm 717. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. Now, Psalm 7 is interesting. David is recounting a specific situation when he's running from Saul. And if you've been in church, you know the story. If you've not, Saul was a king that was Jealous is a small word because he wants to kill David. So for five to 10 years, theologians tell us David is running for his life. And David's in caves and there's close encounters. And sometimes he could see Saul and the entire army chasing after him. So David is reflecting on things that was happening, things that were done, things that he did. And he said, you know what? Here's my conclusion. Righteousness is sometimes maybe a churchy word. But what he looked back over and realized was God was always right and fair. In the middle of circumstances, maybe we're wondering, I, I've been there sometimes in my life, but David and, and all that he was as a king, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a lover, as a fighter and warrior, as a poet, he's like, guys, God, as I look back over, has always been 
right and fair. And the next one we're going to look at in Psalms is Psalms 54. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. That sounds a little weird and free will. What does that really mean? That specific instance in Psalms 54, David is recounting a time when one of his countrymen went to Saul, right? The king who's trying to kill him and whispers and says, I know exactly where David is. Here's where he's hiding. And David knew that that had taken place and his information to Saul was accurate. And what he's recounting as he pins these words when he says, I'll I'll give a free will offering to you is that I, I should have been dead. But I've watched God distract. I watched God protect. And in essence, miraculously, God spared me. It was a miracle. So what David is saying is, you don't have to coerce me. I won't do this out of guilt. What I've seen God do, I will do it freely. Not because I have to, because I want to. Maybe there's some things that coming to your mind and to your heart right now that you realize how good and faithful God has been, how fair and right he has been. And the next verse says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Man, that is a big, big word. When I look this up and look at Psalms 118, David is again, towards the end of these chapters, recounting all the specific things. And there's a couple other verses he includes in Psalms 118. In verse six, he says this, as he thinks back over his life, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. I like this phrase. What can man do to me? Man or woman doesn't matter. Anybody in authority, any circumstances, David looks back and says, I remember how afraid I was. I didn't have to be. Look how it turned out. He says in verse 13, I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. Verse 18, the Lord has chastened or disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. You've heard Pastor Rick use this in verse 24, this verse that David pins. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. David is recounting that his love endures forever. No expiration date. And in the last Psalms I want us to look at real quickly is we're going to end with Psalms 145 again, verse eight. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, unlike me and rich in love. I was substituting for one of our small groups last Wednesday night and they asked a dangerous question. They said, Dan, what's your story? I'm like, well, Lori's not here. That'd be about two and a half hours. And I should just, Lori's writing a book and just hand her book out. But that's a loaded question if you know some of our story because it's long, it's dark, it's incredible, it's miraculous. But I uh, referenced a time in my life before Larry, Lori was ever in part of that. And um, my worst nightmare took place in a place I never wanted to be. And as a pastor for 16, 18 years, I just thought, what? is going on, right? And you've been there, regardless of the circumstance, you're like, hey, this is what's happened and God's supposed to show up and do, right? And so I'm wrestling and not just a bad day, but a horrible season of my life. And remember that stupid line we talked about? I went way beyond it because I was not having again a bad day. I was hopeless. I was fearful thinking it was a period in the season of my life and not a comma. And I didn't do naughty things. I did bad things. No excuse. And I was talking to Rick the other day about this specific situation because we grew up together, theology, our dads, all that kind of stuff. And I just said, Rick, I can define grace, right? What God gives us 
that we don't deserve and mercy not giving us what we do deserve. But here's what happened, Rick. Between you and I, when we had these private conversations, this is what I did. This is what God did. I, I can't define it. And when I read that, guys, in my mind, I went back to a season of life and I just remember how unbelievably gracious God was in my life. I remember how unbelievable compassion he was in my life. I didn't deserve it. If I played God, I would have taken an appendage off. I would have said, hey, boy, let's, we've talked about this before. We don't and we aren't led by circumstances. We walk by faith and not by sight. If I was God, I would have said, hey, listen, come on, you know the truth. But not God. Slow to anger in my life, experientially and theologically. David's pinning the same thing. And love deeds, faithfulness in ways I can't explain. I don't teach it to you. I am testifying that what David has written, I've experienced since a thousand percent true. And here's what I'd like for us to do today since we kick off a unique day of Thanksgiving with Rick being out and he's gonna be fine. He's a tough guy, but we wanna pray today, all of us to pray. Now I'm not gonna ask you to come on stage I'm just going to ask you, just sort of where you are, I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and pray. And some of you might think prayer is a little weird. Here's what prayer really is. Right? It's, it's having a conversation. You don't have to use these or thou's. God's not impressed. The only thing God's impressed is this, is the heart. So just think about it this way. With Just praying silently is taking words or conversation through your thoughts to God. And maybe there's some things, seasons of your life. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's a decision uh, maybe you're in the middle of, but here's what I know God wants to do. He wants to keep our perspective that God is so big and there's never a period. There's always a comma. The enemy, according to John 10, wants to still kill and destroy. And if you're not thanks, thankful, you start to get real negative. We start to doubt as I have done and explained in my life. So I just want you to take two minutes in your seat and think about the goodness of God. Some of these things that maybe is in your head and your heart. And I'm gonna ask my wife, Lord, to come up here and when we get done in a couple minutes, I'm going to ask her to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. And if there's absolutely nothing in your head, let me just, just think about the word and the name Jesus. And you'll be surprised what comes to your head and to your heart. So let's literally just bow our heads, close our eyes. We're going to take a couple minutes and then Miss Lori will end us with a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's pray, guys. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you about... Thank you for the time to just remember and reflect. Thank you for this sermon that just has caused us to pause and look back. Look back over this last year, and the last two years. Lord, I thank you as we um, celebrate the transition of our first year into the Capital City Church just this last week. I'm reflecting on how much you've done, how much you've allowed us to witness how many stories we've heard, stories of healing, of hurt, of brokenness, of restoration, of relationships healing, of people turning to you and being really serious about their relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for that you are gracious and you are kind, that the stupid line is way, way, way far for you, and that you're always ready to forgive and receive heal us, to bring us back, to restore us. Lord, I thank you for pastors in the, of this church who point us towards you, are always constantly calling us to look for you, 
to look at you, pointing towards you. Lord, I thank you for, for, the, for the so many things. One thing is for the service, the heart of serving in this church, of, of just the volunteers who have brought themselves forward to, to serve like you, Lord. I thank you for the heart to love like you, Lord. I thank you for the heart to pe- for people to want to live like you. And so in this season of Thanksgiving, we, we want to pause and look back and just reflect and remember how far you brought us, how far we have to go, but that you are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Your mercy is new every morning. Your kindness is unlimited. Your love we will never understand. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. And we look forward to what you have next for us. In Christ's precious name I pray. I want to encourage you this week as we start our Thanksgiving series off to be thinking about those specific things that are in your head and heart and even maybe just sensitive to what God may be showing you this week. Let's end our first day of Thanksgiving. Let's stand and let's sing.